So Solomon, Solomon lost out with God. He allowed wives and women, money, fame, fortune. He allowed everything else to get in the way. And over the course of time, oh, he was still coming to church. He was still making the sacrifices. He was, he was still doing what he was supposed to do. He was, he was reading the law. He was, he was doing all that stuff. But he had other interests, and he allowed his wives to build high places around Jerusalem, and they went up there and sacrificed to other gods. And, and he was serving God in his temple, and he was serving God in the house of Jerusalem, and he was serving God everywhere. But then he was also serving Balaam and Ashtaroth and all these other gods. And so because of Solomon's half-heartedness, God broke the kingdom away from Solomon. He did it during the time of his son Rehoboam. Uh, Rehoboam lost the kingdom to Jeroboam. And then Jeroboam, because he was afraid that people would try to go back to God, he, he built two calves. And he put one of them in Jerusalem and he put the other one in Dan up in the northern part of the country. And in, in um, I'm sorry, not Jerusalem, but Samaria. And so you had two kingdoms. You had the northern kingdom of Israel with their gods in, in Samaria and then Dan, and then you had the southern kingdom with their Solomon's temple, and they went like that through Rehoboam, through Abijam, through Nadab, through Basha, through Zimri, through Omri, and then there came a king named Ahab. And Ahab in the nation of Israel was by far the most wicked king, and he had a cheerleader named Jezebel who would constantly encourage him to do things. But Ahab still had a fear of God. Ahab, even though he was many generations away from true godly worship, he still had a part of him that was interested in serving God. Are you still with me if I lose you? You with me? He still had a part of him that serving God. Now, down in Judah, they still were making the sacrifices and all that stuff, but Ahab still had a part of him that still wanted to serve God. And as a matter of fact, when God chastised Ahab and sent a prophet toward him, Ahab ripped his clothes and repented in sackcloth and ashes, which was highly, highly, uh, highly religious of him, very religious. And, and, and Ahab had a part of him that wanted to serve God. But he was married to this woman named Jezebel. And Jezebel was exceedingly wicked. And Jezebel, murder meant nothing to Jezebel. She did whatever she needed to do. And, and she was uh, phenomenally wicked. And because of that influence, Ahab continued in half-hearted worship. So we begin it at Solomon, who was the son of David, and David was a man after God's own heart. Do you remember that? David is a man after God's own heart, but Solomon let half-heartedness send him to be divided between what he knew was God and what he didn't know was God, and he allowed that to take him to a place to where he lost the kingdom. And then they lost the kingdom and went down through kings. And now we're at Ahab. And now Ahab still has a portion of God in him. But after Ahab comes all the Jehus and, Je and Jehoshaphats and, and um, Ze Zechariahs and all the way down till you get to the bottom to a guy named Hosea. And when Hosea, when you get to him, Hosea, he, he, he has no God in him at all. He, he, he doesn't care about God. As a matter of fact, Hezekiah. I know I'm fixing to lose you now because I'm jumping from Israel over back to Jerusalem, back to Judah. Hezekiah in, Jer in, in Jerusalem 
called for a great feast. He wanted to put together the finest Passover that they'd ever had. And so what he did was he invited people from Israel to come. And the Bible said that those of Israel, of Ephraim and Manasseh laughed at them. They laughed at them. Why would we want to go do that? So what I'm telling you is this. It started out really good with David. But then Solomon went into half-heartedness, which cost him his kingdom. And then throughout the, throughout the ages between Israel and Judah, as they're being divided and they're going through all the kings, you find these two nations never come back to the place of David. They never get back there. And in the time of Ahab, there's, there's prophets. There's 450 prophets of Baal and there's 400 prophets of Ashtaroth. And, and these two prophets are ruling the kingdom and, and they're ruling everything. And, and Elijah comes back. And he shows up in 1 Kings chapter 18, and he meets a man named Obadiah. And he talks to Obadiah, and he tells Obadiah, he says, tell Ahab I want to see him on top of Carmel. And they went up on top of Carmel, and, and, and Elijah starts his talk with these words. He says, how long, <coughs> how long will you halt between two opinions? If God be God, then serve him. But if Baal be God, then serve him. And what I'm trying to tell you today is that in the age in which you live, if you're going to be half-hearted in serving God and not serving God, then you're going to find yourself with your kingdom divided. You're going to find yourself in the midst of a struggle that's bigger than any struggle you ever thought you'd be involved with because your feelings and your emotions and everything about you is going to get tainted by the world in which you live. And all I want to ask you today is, who is God in your life? If God be God, then serve God. If God be God, then serve God. But you can't serve God and run after everything else in this world. You can't serve God and have anything above God. You can't serve God and be interested in other things to where you put God on hold and you go do what you want to do. You go do what you want to do, you're half-hearted. I'm telling you, I, you better buckle up. If you're going to be half-hearted in what you're going to do and if you're going to serve God when it's convenient for you and you're not going to serve God when you want to go do something else, I'm telling you, you're going to find yourself split between two masters and no man can serve two masters. He'll love one and hate the other. He'll fall to one and fall away from the other. You can't love God in money. You can't love God in other things. You can't love God in sports. You can't love God in, 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 in a wife. You can't love God in a husband. You can't serve God for any other reason than he's God and you want to serve God. And I'm telling you this morning that if God is God, then let's serve God. If God is God, then let's serve God. Elijah went up on, Elijah went up on top of that mountain and he called down fire from heaven. And he, he, he just, he called down fire from heaven. He broke a drought. He outran a horse. 
And when he got to the bottom of that hill, he just knew tomorrow was going to be a greater day. He just knew tomorrow Ahab was going to come down there and say, oh, I'm so glad that you opened our eyes and Jezebel was going to repent and they were going to slaughter all those other prophets like he had slaughtered the 450 prophets of Baal. He just knew that it was going to be a great day and everything was going to come up roses. But guess what happened? Jezebel wasn't interested in playing his little game. Jezebel told him, by this afternoon, you'll be just like one of those prophets of Baal because I'm coming after you. And the Bible says that Elijah ran for the next 40 days, and then he had to have an angel that strengthened him, and he ended up on the backside of the desert in a cave, and when the Holy Spirit showed up, the first thing he said is, what are you doing here? And all I'm telling you this morning is in, in the church world today, and if it's in the church world, then I figure it's somewhat in here too, is that we are allowing a lot of stuff that don't have anything to do with God, that don't have anything to do with Jesus Christ. We're starting to come to the altar to try to make a, a deal. We're trying to make the altar area, uh, let's make a deal. Oh, Lord, if you'll give me this, then I'll do that. Oh, Lord, if I do this, then I want you to do that. And I want to tell you, this isn't a place where you make a deal. There's not a lamb alive that got to make a deal. When the lamb showed up, there was one thing that was sure. The lamb was going to die. It was confident. It, he, he came there for that reason, to die. That's the only reason they invited him to the party was because he was going to die for the sins of the world. And all I'm telling you today, with all my heart and with as much love as I can muster, is this. If you try to make this a bargain encounter, if you try to say, well, God, if you'll do this. I'm dancing around this, and I just might as well say it. I, I feel like I'm two-stepping everywhere. But let me tell you, if you come down here and you say, God, if you give me back my husband, then I'll serve you, you're, 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 it's not going to work. If you come down here and say, God, if you'll save my wife, I'll, I'll, I'll follow you. God, if you'll do this or God, if you'll do that. God, if you'll, if you'll, if you'll I, I don't know, what, whatever's in your mind. If you'll do this for me, if you'll heal my body, if you'll give me my healing, Lord, then I'll, I'll go on the mission field. I want to tell you, that doesn't hold anything with God. You don't have anything to bargain with. In order to have a bargain, you got to have something that's worthwhile to the other person. Something they want, something you want, that's how you bargain. When you come to God, you don't have anything to bargain with. He owns the cattle of a thousand hills. The silver's his, the gold is his, healing's his, deliverance his, everything that God is his. All you've got to bargain with is a life that says, where you lead me, I will follow. Where you'll go, I'll go. Whatever you call me to do, I'll do. Where you live, I'll live. And where you die, I'll die. You got nothing else. If you think that you can come up here once in a while, sing a few songs, lift your hands, and feel good about yourself, and somehow that's going to make everything cool, I'm telling you, you're fooling yourself. You're fooling yourself. You're mistaking God being upon you with God being in you. You're mistaken thinking that you can, you can somehow just come to church and give God some penance once in a while, and that's going to make him happy enough that he'll, that he'll leave you alone or that he'll bless you. 
Because I'm telling you, God blesses faithful customers. I went to AutoZone yesterday. I was working on my car. And I broke a hose. A little piece of tube and I broke it. So I go to AutoZone all the time. I got a little card. And every time I make five purchases, I get a $20 gift certificate. I got me a card, baby. I show up, I flash that card. They put my number in. They say, thank you, Mr. Briggs. And every five visits, they say, oh, you got $20 on your card. Would you like to use that today? So I am a frequent flyer with AutoZone. And when I showed up there yesterday, I talked to a guy I knew. I talked to a guy that I knew by his first name. I talked to a guy that I knew. I knew some stuff about him. He knew some stuff about me. We visited for a minute. I held my little piece of tubing up. I said, I broke this. He said, what do you want? I said, well, I think if I just get me a little rubber hose, there's no pressure on it. If I just get me a little rubber hose, I think I can stick it this end and stick the other end over there, and I think it'll be fine. He said, well, I, I don't think it needs any clamps. It's, it's on a, a washer for your windshields. He said, uh, that, shouldn't, that shouldn't even need a clamp. So he went back there. And he came back with a piece of hose that was about 12 inches long. I only needed this much. He brought me back a piece 12 inches long. And when I pulled my billfold out, he said, don't worry about it. Don't worry about that. We'll see you next time. Why did he do that? Because I'm a frequent flyer in his store. Because he knows me. I'm, I'm not, we're not, we're not, we're not, we're not, I never take him out to supper or nothing. But I know him in a business sense. I, I got a card. And because I got a card, he knows my name. And he gave me that little piece of hose yesterday. It wasn't much a piece of a hose. He gave it to me. He said, it's actually a scrap that was on the floor that somebody else had cut off. And I got it free. Amen. Saved my 43 cents. My point is, I got the hose because I knew him. I got the hose because he knows I don't shop at O'Reilly's. Are you with me? If I was always trying to low bid him, I was always trying to find someplace cheaper, someplace better. If I badmouthed their products and I didn't show up, then when I went in to get that hose, guess what he would have told me? 43 cents, sir. And Jesus is doing you this morning the same way. He's saying, are you a frequent flyer with me? Do you have a card that says that you're blood-bought child of the Most High God? Do you come in and make purchases and withdrawals with me? Or have you decided that you're going to shop the devil's place once in a while to see what he's offering today? Maybe he's got a better price. Maybe he's got a better product. Maybe he's got something that's going to interest me just a little bit more. So I'm not going to leave you, Jesus, but I'm going to shop over here for just a little little while to see if I can find something over here and if I like it better over here then I might just stay and I want to tell you how long are you going to be halted between two opinions if God be God then serve God we I'm, I'm you know we 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 just We in America, we, 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 we're so convinced in America, we're so convinced that because we can put on a professional look and praise team, which I praise God for our praise team, but we're so convinced that if we can put up a professional looking presentation, 
a nice screen presentation, a, a good visual arts thing, a, a, a good praise team, and, and have everybody syncopated and in order and, and have specials and guitar solos and, and have all the lighting right and have all the, all, the, all the bells and the whistles and everything going to where when people come, they go, hey, yeah, this is cool. Oh, yeah. Look at that. Huh? Man, I love going there. You hear their praise team? Wow, that's great. But I want to tell you something. Most people that I've seen that's impressed with the that's impressed with our polished praise team, or most people that I've seen that's impressed with our polished presentations, or most people that I've seen that's impressed with the with the projectors and all the things that we can do there and all the visual effects and the YouTube videos going. Most of those people that are like that, when you begin to preach, they go to sleep. They start looking at their phones. They don't care anything about what the Word of God says. Just entertain me for an hour so I can feel good about where I'm at and let me live my life the way I want to live it. And you just tell me about the joys of the Lord. Tell me that if I'll follow Jesus, he'll do something great. Tell me that if I'll follow Jesus, all my kids will be born naked. Telling me that if I follow Jesus, then life will be wonderful for me again. Tell me if I follow Jesus, then I'll be increased with goods. Tell me if I follow Jesus, then I'll be prosperous. Tell me if I follow Jesus, then I'll be healed. Okay, I'll tell you those things, but let me tell you something before you clap. If none of those things occur, I'm still going to follow Jesus. If none of those things happen, if this building burns to the ground tonight, if this building, bur if this building burns to the ground tonight, if I come up here tomorrow morning and there's nothing left but fire trucks and ashes and come Tuesday morning, come Tuesday morning, we're going to find us 25 chairs and we're going to meet underneath a tree and we're still going to have prayer meeting. We'll get out on that parking lot. I'll go buy a couple of speakers. And we'll get out there on that parking lot and come Wednesday night with the ashes smoldering behind us. We're going to go out here and worship God. Come Sunday morning. Come Sunday night. We'll, we'll, sweep the, we'll sweep the ashes off of here, put a tent up over it, buy as many chairs as we can buy, and we'll continue to have church. Why? Because it's not in the beauty of the building. It's not in the fact that we got projectors. It's not the wonderful sound system that we've got. It's not the great people that we have working in the sound booth. It's not the, it's not the beautiful talent that we have. That's not what impresses God. What impresses God is a heart that says, but as for me and my house, we're going to serve God. Come hell or high water, Come disease, come problems, come situations, whatever you got, I'm, I'm telling you now, I'm serving Jesus. You halt between two opinions, you're not going to make it. Isaiah chapter 6 tells me Isaiah was impressed with Uzziah. Azariah is his proper name, but they called him Uzziah. Uzziah was a very prosperous king of, of, Jeru, of, of, of Judah, very prosperous king. A lot, of thing, a lot of great things happened. And Uzziah was so exalted in his own eyes that he went in there and tried to make sacrifices that only the priest was supposed to do. He said, get out of my way. He told 80 priests, get out of my way. 
and he put on the e-pod and he got the little sensor. But when he walked into that holy place and God split that temple and put, put, you, put a leprosy on him, he got out pretty quick. He decided he didn't want to chance at God. I'll fight 80 priests, but I ain't messing with God. And the Bible tells me that in the year that King Uzziah died, that Isaiah saw the Lord. In the year that King Uzziah died, Isaiah saw the Lord. As long as Uzziah was alive, then Isaiah was serving God. Isaiah was part of what was going on. Isaiah lived for God. Isaiah was a good churchgoer. Isaiah paid his tithes. Isaiah helped with the Royal Rangers. Isaiah did the things that Isaiah should have done. But it wasn't till Uzziah died that he realized he was a double-hearted man. And he couldn't be the prophet that wrote the most prophecies about the upcoming Messiah, the most prolific prophet in the nation in the Old Testament was Isaiah. But Isaiah couldn't prophesy till he saw Uzziah die. So what is your Uzziah? What is your Uzziah? Is your, your, is your Uzziah some, some, some bank account? Is your Uzziah some sporting event? Is your Uzziah some relationship? Is your Uzziah something God has asked you to do, but, but you're only doing it half-heartedly? Is your Uzziah someplace God has asked you to go, but you only go there half-heartedly? The Bible says that if you do it half-heartedly, you might as well not do it at all. Because if you don't do it as under the Lord, then the Bible says it's actually a sin. To know what God has told you to do and do it half-heartedly, the Bible calls that a sin. Did, did you hear me? To know what God's called you to do and do it half-heartedly is a sin of omission. Or to know what God has called you to do and refuse it altogether is the, is the sin of commission. And the Bible calls both of those transgressions. So, so what is it today that the Lord is bringing you to? Because I'm not preaching this because I can't think of nothing else. What is God bringing you to today? I was working for Gulf States Utilities at the time. They're now Entergy. And I had, I was a, I was a star with them. I was a rock star. I got above average and excellence on all my evaluations. I got the biggest raises. I was told that I was the future of the corporation. I was told that they were going to move me around the different apartments two years apiece, and then they're going to start promoting me, and, I'm, and I was going to rise in that company. That's what they told me. I didn't make that up. They told me that. I felt like I, felt like I was pretty cool. I had a, I had a guy that, that, that liked me. He eventually became the uh, president of the Texas division. I was rising in that company. 
they had sent me to Baton Rouge for a, to do a startup over there. And whenever they finished that startup, they would eventually offer me a job over there as a as a 25-year-old production supervisor. And that was that was unbelievable. I didn't know it at the time. But we were and, and I was I was I was doing good, man. 29, 29-year-old. 29 I was doing good. And one day this guy at church passed me. And he said, hey, let me tell you something. The paper mill's hiring. I said, okay, thank you. I interviewed at the paper mill when I got out of college. Threw up on the way out. I don't work there. Man, that's a nasty, that's a sweatshop. I don't want nothing. I'm, I'm with Gulf States, man. I've got my, I got my, I got my wagon hitched to the star. And I'm going to let that star pull me up. And I'm going to be rich and famous. Mr. Loggins was a vice president of, 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 of up there at Gulf States, and Mr. Loggins is a stately man. He's very robust, wore beautiful suits. He'd come in just all happy, and, man, I said, go home, keep my seat warm, Mr. Loggins. Just not going to be too long. I'm going to be sitting in that chair. Man, I just knew it. But I fooled around and told my wife. I said, guess what? They told me they're hiring at the paper mill. She said, you ought to put your resume in. I said, for what? She said, well, it doesn't hurt to put it in. And you know what those, those goofy people did? They offered me a job at the paper mill. And whenever, and, and whenever they started talking to me and interviewing me, something inside of me says, this is where you're going. And at first I rebuked the devil. <laughs> then, I, then I figured out it was the Holy Spirit. <laughs> and, and the devil was me. And I went out there to that paper mill. I didn't go out there because I wanted to go out there. I had a job. I had a, I had a promotion on the, on the table. On the table. Just take the job. More money. More, more of everything I wanted in a company I love. Hitched to a star that was going to bring me to the top. But the Holy Spirit said, paper mill for you, boy. And I tell you what, the first day I went to the work out there because I accepted their little job, took a pay cut. I accepted their job. And the first day I went out there, I wanted to sit in that office and cry. I wanted to say, what kind of dummy are you? What are you doing here? You don't want to be here. You don't want to be at this place. And for the next seven years, I went in there every day and they kicked my brains out. They put me on long turnarounds. They gave me hard jobs. I sweated. I grunted. I pushed guys that didn't want to be pushed. They gave me nicknames that weren't nice. They called me ugly names on the radio as they were calling me. Matter of fact, well, I'm not going to tell that story. My point is this. When I left there nine years later, God had transformed my life. God had given me life skills and things that I needed that I wouldn't have gotten had I stayed with the, with the nice soft job. The first meeting I went to in the paper mill, I made a, I made a remark that my, one of my jobs wasn't going to be completed by the time the shutdown was over with. My boss stood up, pounded the table, screamed at me, red face with veins sticking out of his neck, and hollered, that's not acceptable at the paper mill. That may have been acceptable where you were coming from, but it's not acceptable here. You get it done. It wasn't Brent. <laughs> but you've been there. Brent, Ricky's been there. 
You know, what he, you know what he was telling me? You're lazy. You're lazy. You've got no sense of urgency. You've got no sense of getting a job done. And, and I found out a lot of those things were in me. And I had to get them out. How did I get them out? God sent me to a paper mill. For seven years, I labored in that paper mill. And at the end of seven years, I suddenly got it. I suddenly figured it out. And God promoted me for the next two years until I left there and went to work someplace else. My point is this. You can't halt between two masters. If God's going to send you to a paper mill, then you can't stay in energy. you got to go where God is sending you. And when he sends you to a hard place, don't complain about it all the time. Just walk where God is sending you, rejoicing all the way. Learn the things that God wants you to learn, and he'll promote you and get you out of there. I've probably taken way too much of your time, but I want to tell you one more thing, and then I'm going to quit. I maybe. Have I pounded on you enough? The children of Israel received the baptism of the Holy Spirit in Acts chapter 2. They knew Jesus. They knew the Messiah. They knew he was the king of Israel. They knew he was setting up a new kingdom. They know everything about Jesus that you know about Jesus. They just didn't have the New Testament. They knew everything about Jesus that you know about Jesus. They knew who he was. They walked with him. They were baptized in his Holy Spirit. They began to, to, to preach Jesus Christ and him crucified. They did everything they were supposed to do. They followed Jesus. But when I get 30 years down the road, I find something in this book that bothers me. In the book of Acts, about chapter 21, they tell Paul, go to the temple. There's five guys there or five guys there that have made a vow, and you go over there with them and complete this vow because we have so many priests that are zealous for, the, for Jesus and observe the law. You didn't get that, did you? We have so many priests that are zealous for Jesus and observe the law. If you remember, Jesus came to do away with the law. There is no, there's no altar here where we sacrifice lambs anymore because the ultimate lamb has already been sacrificed, has he not? They're zealous for Jesus and the law. And what you find out as you continue to read and watch church history is that the capital of Christendom moved away from Jerusalem why did it move away from Jerusalem? Because they were double-minded. They wanted to serve Jesus and serve the law of Moses. Acts chapter 15 is nothing but a complaint that they're trying to get Gentiles saved, but they're not requiring them to be circumcised and follow the law. That's what the church first church problem was about. They wanted to be double-minded. In Acts 21, they've done no better. And, and the, the center of Christianity moves away from Jerusalem to Antioch. Antioch is the one that sent out missionaries. Antioch is where Paul attended. Antioch's where Barnabas went to church. Antioch's where the, where the prophets were. Antioch was the place where the, where the gospel went forth. Antioch is where Timothy ministered. Antioch became the center of what Jesus was doing. Why? Because Jerusalem was torn between two masters. They wanted to serve Jesus and they wanted to serve the law. I'm not saying you can't play sports. I'm not saying you can't make money. I'm not saying you can't participate in those things. I'm not saying that at all. Did you hear me? But what I am telling you is if that becomes bigger than Jesus, 
and you begin to put things of Jesus on the back burner because you want to participate in this, then you're double-minded. And a double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. Stand with me this morning if you would. Kathy, could I get you to come play for me, please, for just a moment? I want to give everybody an opportunity. We're going to be down at the baseball park this afternoon at 5 o'clock. We'll start serving at 5. We'll have fried fish. We'll have crawfish. We'll have softball, washers, whatever that game is where you throw the bean bags. What is that? Cornhole. I'm sure we'll have all those things going on. But this morning, before you leave here, you need to settle something in your mind. Because I know God didn't have me preach this just so I could tell you funny stories about how it's affected me. There's coming a day, coming a day, when double-minded people are going to fall away. The righteous are going to get more righteous. The wicked are going to get more wicked. And the ones that tried to ride the fence are going to make God sick and he's going to spew you out of your mouth and you'll be neither hot nor cold and think you're good. Think you're rich and increase with goods and have need of nothing. But when I read that passage, I find out that Jesus is on the outside knocking on the door seeing if he can get in. So I want to ask you this morning, is there anything that the Lord has brought to your mind while I've been up here spitting and hollering that says, Lord, I'll let it go. I'll put it to a lesser place in my life to where I always put you first. You know, that's, it's, it's hard to do whenever you love something. It's hard to do. But all of us have to come to that spot because it's either Jesus or it's not Jesus. There's no half Jesus and, and not half Jesus. There's only Christ. When God looks at you and me, he only sees Jesus. He only sees the parts of me that's Jesus. That's all he sees. So how much of me is Jesus, is God seeing this morning? Is he seeing all of me fully committed unto Christ, ready to go where he sends me, do what he gives me to do, preach what he gives me to preach, speak what he gives me to speak? Is that what he sees? Or does he see someone that doesn't have a heart because my heart's not there to follow Christ? Does he see half a person because half of me would rather be doing this or half of me would rather be doing that? Does he see someone who has no feet because I'm not willing to walk where he's telling me to walk? Does he see someone with no hands because I'm not willing to put my hands to the plow and to, and to do the hard things that God's called me to do? Does he see somebody with no brain because I've chosen to use my brain on other things rather than reading the Word and serving God and hearing Him speak? Does He, does he see someone that I don't have any, He sees somebody that doesn't have any will or any emotions because I've chosen to give that to the devil and let Him drive me to do things that I know I should not be doing?
what, what does what does God see all of me this morning? Or does he see pieces of me? If you think the Lord sees pieces of you this morning, then I'd like for you to come down and say, God, I need, I need to give you all of it. I need to give it, I need to give all of it to you. I don't need to carry this anymore. I need, I need all of it in your hands. Because if he doesn't have all of it, then he's not going to use any of it. He's not up there begging for somebody to work. The Bible says in the book of Ezekiel that he marveled that there was no intercessor for the children of Israel. So you know what the Lord did? He put on the garment of praise. He put on the helmet of salvation. He put on the breastplate of righteousness. And he fought for Israel. Anybody else this morning? I'm holding back and I know I'm holding back. I'm not giving God everything. I'm not doing it. And this morning I need to do it. This morning I need to do it. Anybody else? Those of you that are down here, would you just lift your hands and just begin to tell the Lord why you came down? Just begin to tell him, Lord, Lord, I, I'm sorry. I've, I've held this part back. I've, I've placed this above you. I've sacrificed my time with you in order to be involved in this activity. I haven't given you everything. I've, I've halted between two masters. And I realize this morning, Lord God, that I have to give this all to you. Hallelujah. Heavenly Father, Heavenly Father, Heavenly Father, see our hearts today, oh God. See our hearts today, oh God. Lord, help us, oh God, to give it all to you, God. Not to hold back, Lord. Come on, hallelujah. Tell him, tell him why you're here. Tell him why you're here. Hallelujah. You talk to him. Glory to God. Lord God, I'm here, Father. You've called me here, Holy Spirit. Help me, God. Help me, God, to love you more than I love this thing. Help me love you more than I love this person. Help me to love you more than I love this activity. Help me to love you above all. Oh, God, help me to love you above all. Jesus. God, Lord God, I don't want to be caught between two masters, God. I don't want to be caught, oh God, in that place, oh God, where I don't feel you, oh God, and don't know you, oh God, and I can't hear your voice, God. Lord, to where when you speak to me, God, I can't hear you. I can't hear you, God. Lord, I need to hear you, God. I need my sheep know my voice is what you said. My sheep know my voice, oh God. And Father God, I need to hear you, God. Lord, I need to hear you, Father. Hallelujah, God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Come on. Come on. Make it complete this morning. Pray through till you touch God. Pray through till you touch God. Pray through till you touch God. If you're in your seat, lift your, hand, lift your hands this way. Or if you want to come down here and pray with somebody, leave your seat and come down here and pray with somebody. Hallelujah. 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 Glory to God. Come on. Pray through this morning. Pray through till you touch God. Pray through till you touch God. Pray through till God touches you. Come on. Hallelujah. 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 
My God, forgive me for the grudges I've held. My God, forgive me for the bad things I've said. My God, forgive me, Lord God, because I've justified them, God. I've justified them, God, and said that they deserved it, Lord God, to say they did me wrong, so they deserved it. Hallelujah. My God, help me to let them go. My God, help me to let it go, God. Forgive me, Lord God, for holding on to jealousy. Forgive me for holding on to anger. Forgive me, oh God. Forgive me, oh God, for holding on to that habit, Lord God, that you've tried and tried to deliver me from, but I love it too much to let it go. Forgive me, God. Hallelujah. Come on, hallelujah. Come on, let the Lord cleanse you this morning. Let him cleanse you. You came down, let him cleanse you. Hallelujah. Cleanse us this morning, God. <laughs> Help us to feel the heaviness, Lord God, the weight, Lord God. My God, forgive me. 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 My God, live in my heart. My God, take my life. I'm not my own. I'm bought with a price. Forgive me, God. Forgive me. Forgive me. My God, forgive me. My God, forgive me. Hallelujah. 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 Come on. Come on. Pray on through. Pray on through. Pray till you feel it lift off of you. Pray till you feel that way to see and lift off. Come on. Pray till you're forgiven. Pray till you feel it leave you. Come on. Hallelujah. Let it go. Let it go. Let it go. Let it go. <laughs> my God. My God. My God. There you go. Some of you are getting it. I see some of you. You're getting it. Hallelujah. The Lord's doing a work in you. Come on, let him do it. Let him do it. Let it go. Just let it go. Let the Lord do a work in you this morning. Come on. Hallelujah. Just begin to tell him, God, forgive me. God, I release it. God, I release it. I release my future. I release everything to you, God. Father God, I won't do anything without asking you. My God, I release it. My God, I release it. Fill me with your spirit. Touch me with my, your power, God. Minister to my soul, God. Hallelujah. 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 Jesus. 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 It's about you, Jesus. It's about you, Jesus. <laughs> I am not my own. I'm bought with a price. My God, I'm yours. Hallelujah. Jesus, 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 Jesus. Thank you, God. Come on. Release it. Just release it. Just release it. Say, God, I give it to you. I put it on the altar. I let it die. Hallelujah. And if I pick it back up again, I'll put it back down again as fast as I can, God. My God, my God, my God, my God, release me this morning, God, of the weight of my decisions, God. Release me, oh God, from the weight of my decisions. Oh, hallelujah. Father God, it's me that sinned against you. It's me that's done this, God. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Glory to God, glory to God, glory to God, glory to God. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. 
Thank you, God, for transforming lives. Thank you for touching hearts. Thank you for making a difference in souls. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Jesus. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Now, would you just lift up a praise? If you're still praying, you go ahead and pray. But if you prayed your way through, then you just begin to thank God. Thank you, God, for the bones that you have broken, O oh God. For you are able to mend them better than they were anew, O oh God. Thank you, O oh God, for breaking me, O oh God, and changing me, O oh God. Thank you, O oh God, for moving me from glory to glory. Thank you, Lord God, for your, for your blessed hope, O oh God. Thank you that you are my kinsman redeemer, O oh God. Thank you that you have changed my mind and changed my life and changed my soul, God. Thank you that you have transformed me, God, from glory to glory to glory. <laughs> Jesus. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. 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 Paul said, for me to live is Christ. For me to live is Christ. Why did he say that? Because Paul was a servant who had decided that he would do anything his Lord gave him to do. Even if it meant walk to his death in Jerusalem. He said, why trouble you? I'm ready not only to go to Jerusalem, but to die in Jerusalem. Why? Because for me to live is Christ. Where he sends me, I will go. And I will go happy. And I will go confident. And I will go with glory. And I will go with expectation. Why? Because I gave it all to him. For me to live is Christ. And because for me to live is Christ, then to die is gain. To die is gain. To die in the, spirit, in the spiritual world is to live in Christ. To die in the physical world is to be with Christ. To die is gain. Heavenly Father, thank you, Lord God. Thank you for this day, God. Thank you for this congregation. Thank you for your Holy Spirit. Thank you for your love, God. Thank you, Lord God, for mending our hearts and mending our lives, Lord God. Thank you, Lord God, for healing the bones that you have broken, O oh God, better than they were, Father. For placing the fresh determination in our heart, O oh God, to serve you, Father, above everything else. And Lord God, I thank you, Father God, that just as you anointed and promoted Isaiah upon his revelation of Uzziah, Lord God, you have promoted us today, O oh God, to a better place in your kingdom, Lord God, because we have given up, Lord God, our Uzziahs to follow you. Yeah, amen. Amen. Whew, amen. Thank you, God, that you love us, Lord God, that you gave your son to die for us, O oh God. And Lord God, all you ask us to do, Lord God, is the same thing you did, to die to ourselves and live unto Christ. 
We thank you for this day, God, and we just praise you now, Lord God, for this afternoon. Lord God, bring us tonight, Lord God, at the ballpark, Father God. Lord God, for a time of fun and fellowship, Lord God. A time, Lord God, where we can relax and enjoy one another, Father God. Bless our time tonight, Lord God, and bless those that are down there now cooking and preparing, O oh God. Be with them, Lord God, and let the joy of the Lord be our strength, O oh God, in Jesus' name.